Hi, this is Donna Valentino. Welcome to Kick It With Donna. Are you ready to get real? Let's talk. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Kick It With Donna. Hope everyone's having a good day. I'm having a fantastic day. In fact, my day, I'm going to share with you my 10-year anniversary. And I've been looking forward to doing this for a couple of weeks, and I'm finally just doing it now. My anniversary on the accident that I had was February 7th. So it has been 10 years. And I think that you all are aware of the accident I had, but I'll just do a little recap. On February 7th of 2009, I got into an accident on an ATV. That's an all-terrain vehicle. I was with someone else at the time, and he was on his own vehicle. I remember the first five minutes of the ride and nothing else. Apparently, there was a chain, an unmarked chain, over a cattle guard that I didn't see. I drove right into it, and it flipped the vehicle up into the air, and then me off of the vehicle, and then the vehicle, the ATV landed on the left side of my head and rolled over my body. So that wasn't a pretty picture for the uh, man that I was with at the time. He called 911 and I had to be airlifted off of the field. And I spent 49 days in the ICU at Harris Methodist Hospital in Fort Worth. I really don't remember much of that, very, very little. I do sort of remember being transferred to Baylor Rehab. It was about an hour drive, but I do remember the long hallway on that gurney, just seeing light after light after light go by. I don't remember getting to Baylor Rehab but I know I spent three weeks there, and I can tell you that I was not a very good patient. I was Donna Valentino, who went 90 to nothing and all of a sudden could do nothing. I laid in a hospital bed, couldn't move the left side of my, actually I couldn't move my left arm at all, couldn't even move a pinky. So I had to do rehab there for three hours a day. I had to relearn how to swallow, how to walk, what else? I feel it was an endless journey of things, relearning how to do. I remember having to do puzzles that a three-year-old could do and being happy and proud that I could finish a puzzle a three-year-old could do with one hand. Anyway, that being said, I wasn't real happy about doing rehab. I think I was just kind of ticked off. And I had one of the counselors bring me downstairs one day and she said, Donna, if you don't do this three hours of rehab that we want you to do every day, you're never going to leave here. Well, apparently that was the kick in the ass that I needed because I did want to leave there. I didn't know what I was going to, but I needed to leave at some point and live a life of some kind. So that kind of gave me that little kick, and I did get out of there after three weeks, but it wasn't back home. It was to Center for Neuroskills. I spent six months there. And basically to go there, you have to live in their apartment, and they have many of them. So I had a roommate. And we had, I'm not going to call her a nurse or a counselor. There's a word for what the woman who's there that worked a 12-hour shift does. But she makes sure that you eat, that you get up in the morning, that you take your meds. You are not leaving here unless you take your meds. That you make breakfast, that you make lunch, and you get on that bus at 8.30. At 8.30, they take you to the facility. And it is therapies of many different kinds. So you're scheduled throughout the day for 45 minutes of speech rehab, for math rehab. Uh, and I'm, I'm just naming things. It's been 10 years, so cut me a little slack here because I can't remember what all the therapies were. 
Uh, I can tell you that with uh, double vision from the accident, reading was no joy. If I close my left eye, I can read perfectly. If I open it, I see two. So uh, that was interesting. But after about six months of that, I was finally ready to go home. And when I did go home, it was, oh, so wow, is the only way I can describe it. Everything that I hadn't seen for nine months was there waiting for me. Pictures of my kids, my furniture, just the life I left behind before the accident. Getting home was fun. It was reinventing how to do things that because of the injuries I have on my left side, I couldn't do a lot of things I did before. And one of those things that was huge in my life was tennis. I was a really, really good tennis player. I played on a team with the same women for 18 years. So not only was tennis important, it was the friendships that I created with those women over the 18 years. We all knew each other well. We went to each other's bar mitzvahs, bat mitzvahs, birthday parties, you name it. We were a team and we socialized as a team. Well, that kind of went by the wayside too. And I'm not downing anybody on this because what winds up happening is when the common denominator changes, you all play tennis and then all of a sudden I can't, well, everything changes with it. So I do have a couple of friends. If I saw any of them in the street, it'd be, hi, how are you? But it kind of became more of a challenge because I would have to make the phone calls, make the effort to see anybody. So that being said, I really needed to reinvent myself because I didn't know what to do with myself on a work level. Prior to my accident, I was working for my now ex-husband. I was the director of human resources for his company, and I absolutely loved that job. I loved working with people. I liked hearing their problems and complaints and helping them deal with their managers and setting up a whole human resources department, personnel files, healthcare, coming up with a manual with policies and procedures. This just really rang my bell on all different levels. Well, after the accident, I was on short-term disability and then I'm on long-term disability still. So there are certain things that my body just cannot do. Lifting both arms over my head for any length of time doesn't really happen, can't really keep it there, and I don't have any fine motor skills in my left hand. So all that being said, I'm now sitting home going, blah, 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 what do I do with myself? I have a friend, still a friend, who wrote three books. And he said, Donna, I really think that you should meet with my publisher and tell your story and see what she thinks. So I met with her and she loved it. She said, okay, I want to publish your book. And she assigned me a ghostwriter. Well, this ghostwriter was just, I just loved her. She was just great. She would sit there with her laptop and I would tell my story and she would never take her eyes off of me. And she would just type everything I said. And then she put it in a format that's readable. So that book is called Headstrong, Surviving a Traumatic Brain Injury Without Losing My Mind. I have to tell you, I really didn't love the title at first. Headstrong, does that mean stubborn? Uh, yep, I guess that is me, stubborn. So I wrote that book and it was very cathartic to do that because I was able to let my feelings out on paper on the struggles and the successes of living through something like that, hoping that it would help someone else down the road. Not just the person who's injured, but the family members or caregivers that take care of that person. And so I spent the next couple of years kind of growing is the only way I can put it. 
I went on the dating scene. Uh, that was interesting. The man that I was with at the time, that with the accident, his name is Paul. We stayed together for about three and a half years. And this was after getting out of a marriage of 27 years. And I think the only way I can describe it to you is that nothing wrong with him personally. This was just not a good fit. We went from being in love to all of a sudden now I'm a patient. So that kind of really takes things and throws it on its head. So it just didn't, we didn't last and that's okay. We did go through a trial together because I did sue for negligence and wound up winning that. And then it was appealed. And I think I waited three years or four. I lost track, to be honest with you. And I wound up taking a settlement, which is just fine with me because really at the end of the day, when that trial and that appeal and the settlement was done, it's a chapter of the book I can just close and just move on, which was really a great feeling. So after Paul, I kind of, you know, I kind of dabbled here and there. And then I went on a few of the dating sites. Match.com, I guess, was the one I went on. But I think I also tried It's Only Lunch. I didn't really find anything that was uh, worth anything. <laughs> and again, I'm not dissing anyone in particular. I'm just saying that the dating scene is interesting because people aren't always truthful. I could tell you so many stories that would make you laugh your rear end off. But getting past that, I did get with somebody for a couple of months and that didn't work out. And it was really after I broke up with him. It was his demeanor and it was his idea of wanting to have a threesome because it would be oh so good for me. That pretty much ended it for me. So after I broke up with him, I really started asking myself the difficult question why do you always date the same type of person in different body sizes and shapes? And the only thing I could come up with was, you know what? I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. I will no longer date a man who's never been married and doesn't have children because he just doesn't get it. But I realized the big realization for me was that I was the common denominator. Okay, Donna, you are the one doing the choosing. So I decided at that moment in time to cut the head off the snake. I'm not doing this ever again. I'm off the dating websites. I don't care. I would rather be by myself. At least I like myself than be with somebody else who doesn't have any appreciation or it just isn't, isn't worthy of my time. Six weeks later, I walk into a, a very upscale bar in Addison, Texas, which is where I live. And I met a friend there a girlfriend, and we go to sit at the bar. They have two empty seats. And I tap the man on the shoulder next to the empty seat, and I said, excuse me, I said, are these two seats taken? And he looked at me, and he said, yeah, they're taken. He said, we've been waiting for you for 30 minutes. Ha ha. Okay. We talked for maybe a minute, but there was a spark there. There was still a spark there, and it's over two years later. I met my soulmate, and I don't believe that I could have met my soulmate unless the door to the crap was closed. I don't think a new door can open unless the old door is closed. And we are just happy. We're very compatible. Uh, he's just a really, really great guy. He's very respectful. And I think I found my evil twin. So that being said, I can also tell you that I've had to do some tough love with my son. And that has not been easy for me. This happened last year. 
I could give you the whole long sob story, but I think I did an episode on this uh, called Tough Love, if you want to check it out. It was a lot of, I did a lot of enabling over the years, and my ex and I kind of teamed up and decided that we needed to give my son four things that he needed to do that were not an option. Putting together a resume, getting a job, seek counseling, which I know you can't make somebody at the age of 25 seek counseling. And there was one other thing that I'm having a brain fart, excuse me. There was one other thing that we wanted. Well, P.S., out of the four items we asked for, we were one for four. He put together a resume. And so I had to go down that ugly road of doing the tough love thing. And I have come to the conclusion that my son has to basically come together in his own mind and realize that he needs to do some growing up. He needs to stand up on his own two feet. I don't know how he's going to do that, but it's not my problem. So I've dealt with a little bit of guilt on the enabling part and sadness. And just to be really honest with you, it's just a broken heart. I think that all the years of enabling, it's made me ask myself some tough questions. And asking the tough questions, the reasons why they're tough is because you're going to find out some truth that you might not like. You might not like what you realize because, it, again, it comes back to me. Okay, what did I do? Why did I do what I did? And for what purpose? So that being said, I've moved on from this. I've actually come to a place of healing on this, which is huge for me. But through that whole process of the tough love with my son, it's really helped me gain a stronger bond with my daughter. My daughter just turned 29. And I can just tell you that the two of us have always had a relationship where we always butt heads. I can also tell you, and she would agree wholeheartedly, <laughs> that she was a pain in the ass. Okay, going back to teenage years, just a pain in the ass. She pressed every button there was to press, and I didn't think I had any left, but she just was a challenge. She's in California. That's where she lived. She went to Chapman University and graduated from there. Very proud of her for that. But we just always seemed to have this butting of the heads, and it made me do some searching that brought up some very ugly truths that I needed to address. And one of those truths was that she reminded me of her dad. Well, I disliked her because I disliked the dad. That's really lame. And I fell into that. I apologized to her for that. And then I also realized that the difference between her and my son, my son was easier to hang around with, if that makes any sense. When Nikki was a challenge, Jordan was easier. There was no drama involved. It was just more easygoing. We liked some of the same music. We just had more of a solid relationship that, so you can call it favoritism, I guess. And maybe I am guilty of that. You know what? Guilty. I'm guilty of it. So I was disliking my daughter because she reminded me of my ex. And what does one thing really have to do with the other? So I took my son and his girlfriend on a trip to New York City, uh, let's see, almost three years ago. We went for a week and we stayed in somewhere around Times Square, this little boutique hotel. And they were late to everything. That's my son in general. He's late to everything. 
And I don't really have a lot of patience for that. I put up with it, but I wasn't happy with it. And I guess I, you know, Nikki had texted me and, you know, she, we were having a conversation by text and I said, you know, well, they're late to everything. P.S. We were so late. We were 10 minutes late to a show that I spent $600 for tickets for that they wouldn't let us in. Not cool. Okay. And I let my son know and his girlfriend know this will never happen again. Well, that was the end of that evening. And then when I got home, I think it was Memorial Day weekend. My son needed a new mattress and I went to buy him a new mattress with him and his girlfriend. And Nikki texted me and I said I was buying Jordan a new mattress. And she said, she texted me back and she said, well, I don't understand why you're buying him something if you're mad at him. And guess what I did? I got pissed at her. You know why? She called me out on my shit. Now, I can say this now. I couldn't say this three years ago. So I punished her for my shit when I either couldn't see or didn't want to see, I was probably in denial, that I was constantly protecting my son to my own detriment and to hers. So I realized this recently that I need to apologize to her again. And she had just come back from a trip. She went with a couple girls to a bachelorette party in Costa Rica. I said, Nikki, I said, I need to apologize to you for something. I said, when you sent me that text about why are you buying him a mattress when you're mad at him? I got angry at you. I said, because well, you, you called me out on my shit. I said, now I couldn't see it then or didn't want to see it then, but I see it now. I said, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I did that. I was wrong. She thanked me. She said, mom, that's really, really nice. She said, I, I really appreciate that. She says, and the funny thing is, is that I knew at the time that I wasn't wrong. She said, but I, I just couldn't do anything about it and you reacted the way you did? Yeah, you know what? Sometimes you react out of denial or you react out of anger and you don't see it then. It's like right in front of your face and you don't see it. I just really think I didn't want to see it or I was in denial over it. So it's really, this accident was the best thing that ever happened to me. I know that probably may sound strange to some people but it really changes your perspective. And as I've grown, I'm learning and I'm seeking out truth about me. And I don't know how you can do that unless you are willing to change. Well, you see something, you go, okay, you know what? That's really not cool. And I want to change that. And you can't really change it unless you're willing to change it. So that being said, I also reconnected with family. This is such a long story that I don't even want to go into the whole thing because it would take me probably an hour. I hadn't talked to my dad and my brother for 27 years. Again, the why part was an hour or maybe longer. But it was my brother's daughter that knew she, she knew she had an aunt and she searched and she found me. Well, publishing a book probably helped out a little bit too. She sent me an email and she told me that I'm your niece and, you know, I know... I really wanted to find you. I know I have an aunt. And she gave me my brother's phone number when my brother and I talked and we talked for an hour. And we had a relationship for about two years that basically, it didn't really go anywhere and it reminded me why I didn't talk to him for 27 years. That may sound really shitty and I apologize for that, but it's not shitty when you remove someone out of your life because they don't, bring anything to it except drama 
and negativity and toxicity. And that's basically what that was. And my dad, again, another long story there, but I reconnected with him through my brother. And wow is all I can say about that. Didn't have contact for 27 years, but the 18 months I had with my dad before he passed away just means the world to me. The love was always there. I think my marriage and the things I went through in my marriage kind of pushed aside family. And I don't really have any regrets. I just wish I had more time with him other than the 18 months that I had. But that being said, also after the accident, I found God again because I had him as a young child, but I also grew up in a very religious environment. And I got mad at him because of the way my mother delivered the message. So when I married my ex-husband, he is Jewish. I converted. So my kids are half Jewish. Well, I guess you can say they're all Jewish, depending on how, which way you want to look at it. But it never felt good to me. It never felt right. Felt like I was pushing aside something that really meant something, but I couldn't find it, couldn't see it. So it was really after a while, a couple of years really, where I almost got into an accident on the tollway. Just somebody just cut me off and, you know, I had two hands on the wheel and slammed on the brakes. And I came home thinking, wow, that probably should have ended differently if I'd swerved or he hit me. And then that's what made me realize that God saved my life again. And ever since that night, a couple of years back, I've been, every night when I go to sleep, I pray because the relationship that I have with God is from my heart to his ears. And that's what works for me. So finding God again and reconnecting with family and having a bond with my daughter, my son will, he will someday, I don't know when someday is, so I'm gonna have to exercise patience. It's not a real solid, uh, strong point for me, but someday he will understand that this was really done out of nothing but love. So I'm going to leave you all with that today. This is happy anniversary because this has been a really fantastic 10 years. And I just love growing and learning more. But it's questioning me and it's looking at me to find out who I really am. Not the person that hides around the corner and, you know, who, who is that person? Well, it's me. I want to find out more about me because I want to continue to grow. And I don't think you can grow unless you do that. So that being said, I hope everybody has a great day and I hope that you are celebrating something that means something to you. I did not mention and should have that I did write a second book a couple years ago and it's called Heart Strong, Overcome Obstacles and Live Life to the Fullest. And we all have our obstacles. You know, I laid out mine. I tried to make every chapter end in a positive light because everything really that we have control over is choice. You do have control over your choice. So I hope if any of you are book readers, you can go to kickitwithdonna.com and you can check out the books. You can buy them or I also have them on audio version. I know a lot of people aren't uh, book readers, you know, the old fashioned way. So check it out and you can check out all my other podcasts on there. I think I have about 60 of them. I've talked about a whole bunch of things. And you can also listen to my podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher. So I hope you all check that out and have a great day, and I will see you next week.